Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Geeky Dinks. This week we're talking about the Sanderson sisters because Hocus Pocus 2 is coming out today. I know, isn't that strange that like the timing couldn't have been better that Hocus Pocus comes out, we have this podcast same day, like how cool. cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Hocus Pocus has become the Halloween movie that we watch every year, kind of like every house watches, what is it, a Christmas story every year, like on end. We don't watch Hocus Pocus on end, that would be a little much, (laughs) but I mean, she would. I wouldn't mind it. (laughs) But we watch it every year, just kind of to kick off the season, to really make you set the spooky vibe i think it's perfect for that because it's not like a super scary movie obviously it's a disney halloween themed movie but it's got enough playfulness in it and enough humor that even though i've seen it what feels like a bajillion times i still laugh at some of the same jokes over and over oh yeah a lot of the jokes definitely have a lot of staying power yeah Uh, Mostly a lot of the humor that comes from the body humor of Doug Jones. Yes, Doug Jones is my favorite. Just the amount of movies he's been in where you don't know it's Doug Jones, but if it's a tall, lanky guy in heavy prosthetics, it's probably Doug Jones. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, apparently he was Abe in Hellboy. Yes. Yes. And... David Hyde Pierce, who voiced Abe in the first Hellboy, decided to let Doug be his own voice in the second one because he did so much work. Oh, that's sweet. I know he also did the, um, what was that one where the girl, she was deaf and she fell in love with like the, the water creature? It was, um, like into water or something like that. It was like a a true on love story where she was like a made where she was cleaning oh right yeah um what was that called the shape of water yes he was that too right and he couldn't take that off that was a full latex suit so once he was in it that was it no bathroom breaks no food nothing wow yeah (laughs) so they had to be very nice to him and he would have to sit there in full you know latex suit watching everyone else eat the most he could do was drink water oh so kudos to that man for going up Above and beyond in yeah. all of his prosthetic monsterness. Yeah, especially going <laughs> back to his role as Billy mm-hmm. on Hocus Pocus, he had those moths in his mouth when he first cuts it open mm-hmm. so that he can actually curse out Winifred. And they were live moths. <laughs> yeah, so they had to do it the first time and they just kind of fell out because there was an issue. And so they had to do it. Yeah. (laughs) So the second, he had to do it twice. Yeah. He had to do it twice. Yeah. I would, uh, like, if ever there was a convention and Doug Jones was there, he would be the first one I would beeline for because he's done so many iconic characters. They'd be like, dude, you do not get enough credit for what you do. You really don't. Doug Jones is a name that I think people are like, who Doug Jones? You're like, oh, it's this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. You never actually see the poor man's face. Right. But he's these characters. You're just like, what? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, there's been only like a couple of roles where you actually get to see what he looks like that he's done. It was fairly early on, too, mm-hmm. I believe. But yeah, most of the stuff, he's the creature behind the mask. Because he's such a tall, skinny individual, mm-hmm. it fits a lot of those more unusual body types right yeah he's perfect for those and of course he doesn't mind the torturous hours of makeup that it takes and then how long he has to stay in them so he's a trooper that's 100 percent for sure so he's probably one of my favorite characters in hocus pocus aside from the sanderson sisters just simply because she you know winifred wakes him from the dead like get the kids you know kill them whatever and he's like no, yeah, I'm not doing your bidding. And I was like, oh, a good zombie? <laughs> yeah, I like the, the idea that for the first part of it, he's just chasing after him. No way of telling him, hey, I'm not really with her. She, sure, 
rose me from the dead, but I have no way of letting you know that. Right. Until you attack me with a knife. You are very bad with a knife, right. young young man. So I'm going to take it from you and cut open my mouth so I can curse at Winifred for killing me. Right. <laughs> I love that. And I, I love, you know, finding out that initially he was literally going to actually curse her. And Doug Jones specifically said, one, this is a Disney movie. Two, that's not the first thing that would come out of Billy's mouth. Right. Like, it's not. So he made up the rant, the buck tooth firefly from hell you know that was doug jones that was his line i was like i love it it's poetic it's it gets down to the point so i like that he is coming back for this one that it's confirmed mm-hmm. you know he's in the trailer you get to see him running after another guy he's like i'm a good zombie yeah he can actually express it now he's like wait 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 <laughs> so that's exciting they are bringing back a lot of characters from the original um, the only ones that I did not see on the list was Danny, Allison, and Max. Max. So the three kids from the first one, I did not see them so far. Right. But again, they could be hiding it. Well, apparently in the book, the the girls that we see in the trailer do a substitution spell mm-hmm. where three of the people on this plane, get substituted for the Sanderson sisters. Right. So I think the three that get substituted are Max, Allison, and Danny. It could be. And and like I said, they may be hiding their names from the list on IMDb to surprise people with Right. That. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense that Disney would do that. They've done it before with other big mm-hmm. name cameos and that sort of thing. So I'm not going to be surprised if I see them in this movie. Right, right. I kind of hope that they bring back Banks somehow, but I don't think this is going to be his story. So there probably won't be a Banks in this story, which will be sad. Yeah, that might be a factor that is missing in this one. Mm -hmm. Um, If he does come back, it might be one of those things that's kind of, uh, we're doing it for the fans but it doesn't really make a lot of logical sense for the story. Right. Yeah, probably. Which, again, Disney is also known for that right. as well. Un- unless for some reason it's like he got forced back because he's tied to the Sanderson sisters or something. I mean, you never know. I just like that, you know, everyone has said in the previous, or, or in the original, I should say, not previous yet, but in the original they're like, how does Winifred know these things? And we know that throughout the film, Winifred picks up on a lot of new age stuff. You know, it's been 300 years and all of a sudden she's like, pull over, let me see your driver's license. Like she wouldn't know what that right. is. <laughs> um, but now they're being thrust even further into the future, almost another 30 years. It's like 26 years, 25 years, something like that, I think. The first movie was set and was released in 93. Mm -hmm. So it's been another 30 years, almost. Almost. So they probably have it set next year just to make it an even 30. Mm -hmm. I doubt they'd probably be like, it's 29 years. 29 years. Well, I mean. I mean, they could, but I doubt it just to be nice and round. It makes me wonder what new references they're going to have. Are they going to talk about COVID? Probably. Are they going to laugh about, oh, that's like the last plague we had. That's uh, nothing. Yeah. You know, like, they have an opportunity to do that, which I think would be fun. Um, not, yeah, they'll, they'll probably do TikTok. Mm-hmm. They'll probably do memes. Yeah, true. All Internet the, and all yeah, that stuff. Just think of all the stuff that's happened between 93 and now. That's a lot. That's there, a lot There's to a lot to go over, Y2K. yeah. Y2K. I mean, there's a reason... <laughs> this movie is coming out now it's not because the story needs to be told it's because there's a whole new set of social commentary that can be made Mm -hmm. i'm just curious as to like when i first heard that hocus pocus 2 was coming i was like great disney cash grab this is gonna be wonderful they're gonna ruin a classic but seeing more and more of the trailers the humor is still there yeah um it still feels very uh authentic sanderson sisters which i'm excited about they have definitely not aged as well as I would have hoped. <laughs> you can definitely see the age gap. And I kind of hope that Winifred brings that up. You know, that maybe her magic isn't as strong. So they're not as young as they were, you know, yeah. or something. I do notice that the 
majority of the humor from the first one came from the sisters. Yes. It wasn't from Max and Allison Mm -hmm. and Danny. I mean, Danny was funny. Yeah. She had a couple of zingers. (laughs) But... For the most part, it was coming from the sisters, it was coming from Billy, it was coming from the other characters, Mm -hmm. and the kids were just kind of like a vehicle to follow around. Right. So this time, I don't know if the girls are going to be as integral to the story, kind of like the kids were in the original, Mm -hmm. or if they'll actually be able to hold their own against the others and actually have some member memorable lines and stuff like that yeah that would actually be really nice i mean i know max uh like we talked about this when we watched it it was kind of smooth like you know hey we need to let's meet the broads and light this candle he's like you want to do the honors and she's like no he's like okay and he lights the candle basically outing himself as a virgin yeah and finding out that allison may or may not be right either she didn't want to light the candle because she didn't want to bring them back or she couldn't light the candle and bring them back. <laughs> so he had some smooth, yeah. I guess some smooth lines. I guess if I was Allison and I wasn't a virgin, I'd be like, sure, <laughs> <laughs> light it because then it won't do anything, <laughs> right? Be like, oh, it's not even real. I do like that Max was trying to be smooth about his asking about Allison's status, but he did kind of run the gambit when we first meet him as far as personality types go. Mm -hmm. Like at the very beginning, he has a very, I always say Dennis Leary feel. Okay. Yeah. Just because he's talking about the Sanderson sisters, about how Halloween is invented by the candy companies, that sort of thing. And it sounds very Dennis Leary rant. Yeah. I think he even has one like that. (laughs) somewhere. But later on, as it goes on, he definitely cools it out a bit. Well, he's new and he's got to play it cool. Cause, you know, he's Hollywood, you know, so he's got to kind of play up that I'm from California and I'm in Salem, Massachusetts. So that's true. Meh. I guess that could be his in class persona. And then outside of class, he's just kind of like, oh, hey, I'm Max Dennison. Right. That could be. There are, of course, his scene after school that is always so cringy. Oh, uh, yeah, with, the, with the pillow. Oh, Allison. Yeah. <laughs> that, that does allow for Danny's best. <laughs> Allison, Allison, kiss me, I'm Allison. Yeah. Woo. Very, it's very, like, like I said, it's little girls. That's what they do. They kind of mock, make fun. I don't know. I mean, I wasn't ever a teenage boy. I don't know that that's what teenage boys would do <laughs> if they liked a girl. I'm sure that if they did or didn't, he probably did not enjoy filming that, going, I don't want to let out, like, this thing (laughs) that we as guys do that we're not supposed to tell people we know. You know, like, I don't know. But that I'm always like, oh, this part's so cringy. We can skip past this part. And I just, oh. (laughs) Yeah, everyone's just waiting for the part where Danny just bursts out of the closet and gets that part over with. And just kind of like, okay, back to the funny part. And, okay, he's... Just be an angsty teenager. Yeah. I'm going to play on my drums. I'm going to go sit up on my stairs and just... Mm. <laughs> yeah. And Danny's going to pull the ultimate little girl card and shriek mom. Yep. And that that is very accurate. Danny played the perfect little sister. As much as there were times I'm like, oh, I can't stand her. She's the perfect little sister. That's what they do. <laughs> yeah. That was kind of the beginning of Thora Birch's heyday mm-hmm. era. Thora Birch is one of those child actors that has kept her career up over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just hasn't been so high profile. Right. She's had plenty of movies throughout the years. Looking it up on you know IMDb, she's had several that I've never heard of. So she's been working, just not, you know, she's not in the Marvel films. She's not in, you know, <laughs> big named films that a lot of people know about i'm sure there's a following the last two that i had seen that she was in where she was older of course is a uh, ghost world and american beauty those mm. are two of the bigger ones american beauty especially because it won best picture that year right yeah she's actually won a lot of awards weirdly enough she's won quite a few and i say weird because she's won these awards yet most of the movies i haven't heard of so i'm like 
how did you not to say they're bad performances and aren't worthy of awards it's just i've not heard of these movies okay so i find that interesting i don't know what max or allison have been doing since i have seen vanessa shaw in quite a few movies so she's still acting she's still doing her thing i've seen more of her than of thora birch so maybe just a little bit more actually with uh omri katz the guy who played max i've heard next to nothing of him so he's the one who kind of went yeah i'm good yeah i mean it isn't for everybody right and if you find that you want to do something else i totally respect that i feel like that happens to a lot of people from the 90s you know that you saw tons of stuff from then and then either the industry changed or Mm -hmm. they just didn't want to do it anymore or they just lost their love for it yeah i mean and they just may not have fit the types i think that was before the era of being in a specific physique for things because when you look at the sandersons you've got sarah jessica parker kathy najimi and bet midler other than at the time sarah jessica parker being super thin yeah the other two were average sized people yeah and and they're all very short right women. Right. Yeah, under under five, five six. That was back when they cast you because you either fit it just the way you were, or they went, you know what, let's exaggerate it, and I want this particular person specifically to do it. Like, I'm sure when they saw Winifred, they're like, Bette Midler. She's got to do the part. <laughs> it's got to be her. I think she brought so much of herself to that role, and a few of the weird little contractual things that she wanted was like at least two scenes i think that specifically focused on her feet yeah in the song yeah so the sweeping shot of them walking across the stage them walking into the town hall during the party Mm -hmm. for whatever reason she likes having her feet videoed think to me when i see those scenes i forget that that she had asked for that but for me i think it kind of sets a tone especially because they're witches but they're not wearing witches shoes you know what i mean she is she is yes the other two are not yeah uh mary's wearing like men's men's dress shoes i think yeah that's what they look like (laughs) um sarah uh she's wearing cowboy boots yeah i think Mary is actually wearing like shoes from one of the Puritans is what it looks like. Oh, that makes sense. That's the, what that the, looks the like. The buckle shoes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it looked like, at least when they were I mean, it hanged. makes sense that she would probably take them. They have their own little trinkets and toys and things that they like. So I think that's cool that each one of the Sanderson sisters have their own personality that they get to play with. So obviously Sarah, she like she's all about boys. Yeah, and... she's very sensual. Right. Uses her voice and her body body to entice people in uh but then she eats bugs she's really dumb and she has a lucky rat's tail she's that girl that entices you in but then you're really grossed out by when you get close yeah pretty much yeah that makes sense and then you've got mary who i feel like she's got mama bear energy (laughs) that's why she barks yeah i mean obviously more like house more like, a, dog, more like but, a dog, yeah. But she's very protective of the group. She's like, oh, I think we need a calming circle. Yeah. You know, she's very much the the mom of the group. Very, we need to take a breath. We need to calm down. Mm-hmm. This is where we need to go, what we need to do. And very... Yeah, she, she's the one that's always, like, right up there with Winifred. Just like, oh, yes. Yes, Winifred. Whatever yes, you Winnie. want. Yes, Winnie, you... you you know it. <laughs> yes, you're the best. This is great. And... You're, you're right. I'm wrong. Right. Exactly. So she's You do very, that, I do this. I guess kind of lost puppy-like in that sense, but very... But she she's longing for the partnership yeah. of being Winnie's right hand. Right. And then, of course, Winifred, she is the jealous leader type, which they straight out call her that. Binks straight up says she is a jealous type. Yeah. And that was her undoing. We've said this many times. That was her undoing, was being petty and jealous yep and you actually brought it up last time we watched it that danny might have done what she did 
on purpose to keep Winifred from going after the other kids that were right there. Right, yeah, she called Winifred ugly and, you know, the ugliest thing on the earth so that she could make Winifred petty towards her. Yeah, fixate on her. Right, she's like, she's gonna be first to die. And it's like, I think that's what Danny wanted. Yeah, as long as I can get out of here and I believe that Max will get me out of here, Mm -hmm. that... You'll come after me instead of going after these other kids or the two that you have in a cage. Right. (laughs) Yeah, she had two young teenage boys at their disposal. Once they had the book, they could have made the potion right then and there, lived forever, and then went after Danny. But they didn't. So then Sarah summoned all the kids to Salem, and there were literally 15 to 20 kids at their door at that moment. (laughs) But Winifred said, no, this little brat goes first. (laughs) And... It all went downhill from there. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. It's one of those ones where you're just like seeing it happen and you're just kind of like, well, now you're lost. Yep. That was the specific moment where you lost. You could have won this whole thing right then. But no, you had to go after the girl. Right, exactly. And I think I, I enjoy the fact looking back over the many times we've seen the show to see different things from here and there, like how people act behind the scenes. So like, you know, when you first watch it the first couple of times, you're always focused on the person who's talking. But as I've learned from watching movies, I like to see what other people are doing, reacting yeah. to those moments. So like I said, when they see the road, you see Winifred and Mary, Mary look, at look at each other and push Sarah in. So like, if it's a black river, she's going to go first, <laughs> right. you know? And they're like, oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, the the facial features and the nonverbal acting of the other sisters as the other is talking mm-hmm. is perfect. Oh, like when they found the bus. Yes. And we finally saw what uh, Sarah was doing. She was just in awe of this bus. And she's like, I think she was looking at the bus boy. Well, probably. But I just <laughs> love that she was just wide-eyed and staring the whole time. And she just mouthed the word, a bus. Yeah. Really. So I've never seen that before. And it was so <laughs> funny. Yeah. Uh. The more subtle performances are not to be overlooked in Hocus Pocus. Mm-hmm. It is one of the more overt sort of Halloween movies. Just because of the witchy campiness of it yeah my absolute favorite part of it is the number at the adult halloween party yeah i mean one bet miller's a great singer two it is a super catchy song that i put a spell on you you know and the way it starts off real slow where she's just kind of like rhythmically saying her lines right you're like okay i'm in i'm listening <laughs> what <laughs> i i just like how she turned it on him that he's trying to tell everyone, they're here. They're right here. They're trying to kill your kids. Mm-hmm. And she's like, right, they know all about this. They're not expecting it to be real, of course. Right, because this is a night of frolic. Yeah, I'm going to entertain them, but also put a spell on them so that they'll stay here the whole time. And I don't think she was doing this strategically. I think this was more of a spiteful thing. Yeah. But... Strategically, it worked out really well that no one was home to stop the kids from coming out when Sarah sung her song. Right. And lured them all out. So they're able to just wander down the street without, A, being noticed by anyone driving around. Because nobody's driving around. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So everyone's at the place or they're already asleep. Which also plays into the fact that I've always wondered what parent would let their child sleep in their pumpkin mask. (laughs) <laughs> that one kid that has that pumpkin mask, I'm like, that kid could suffocate to death in his sleep. I'm like, you make a good point. The parents weren't home. Yeah. So he was like, cool, I'm going to sleep in my pumpkin mask. You know, <laughs> like, it didn't even dawn on me. I'm like, oh, I mean, the kid was sense. probably running around all hyped up on candy and, and then and then just crashed just with, the, with the pumpkin mask thing on. on yeah. yeah. Because, yeah, my brain was still trying to figure out, like, who? Who who does that? Like, I don't have kids, but I I still know that sleeping in a full face mask like that, that seems like a really bad idea. 
a really bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess if no parents are home, kids will do what they want to do. Much like Max and Allison decided to take a nap on the stairs. Probably the least controversial position they probably could have slept in. True. Just because Danny was in the bed with Binks. Mm-hmm. And they're in a very strange position up on the stairs. Partially covered. <laughs> I just, I, that's when I realized the whole show was unrealistic because they woke up from sleeping on the stairs for more than a half an hour. And neither one of them woke up with back pain. That's when you knew it was unrealistic. Yes, that's when I knew not, it was. Not the witches and the green lightning and... No, 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 it was, it was the sleeping on the stairs <laughs> and not waking up with back pain. <laughs> Even at their young age. <laughs> yeah, this was one of those early Disney live action movies mm-hmm. that was trying to explore the live action realm more. Just before then, they, they hadn't had a lot of success. Most of it had been animation related. A lot of the live action movies for Disney were uh, straight to Disney Channel. Okay. I'm assuming they had some stuff, but as far as big movies, not really the live-action people kind of thing. Disney animation was the thing. Yeah, and they were already trying to kick off Pixar. Right. Which was, uh, it was briefly its own thing, but was quickly enveloped into Disney. (laughs) Yeah, but at least they got to keep their names. It's Disney-Pixar, like a Disney-Pixar collaboration. Right. Which is what Merida is. So that's, you know. Yeah. Kind of (laughs) nice. But yeah, I I think that's it. I don't think I ever really thought about that, that most of Disney movies back then in the early 90s were all animation. It was all your Disney princesses. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's where Disney started was with animation. And in the 90s, I believe, was when they started doing more live action stuff they had done live action before that and i believe hocus pocus was just the start of them doing it more i think so yeah and because it went over so well even though if you look at imdb i don't know what rotten tomatoes says but if you look at imdb hocus pocus is only rated a six out of ten yeah i can see that I mean, when you really look at it at a movie standpoint, yes. But there's so many good parts to it. I think it fits the cult classic. Yeah, I I believe it falls into cult classic status. I just also find us, when we're watching it, I'm at least treating it more like a mystery science theater thing. (laughs) Like, I'm commenting on it a lot more than I normally do movies. I usually leave them alone. I usually just enjoy them or I, I, I stay quiet. And I'm on my phone while it plays. Right. I very rarely make the snarky comment about how bad the dialogue is or why they're doing that or the fact that the place where they're frolicking is also the fountain from Friends. Well, and I think that's the other really cool part about Hocus Pocus in general is there's so many trivia facts. So that, for example, that is the same fountain that after they burn the Sanderson sisters in the kiln at school, that is the same fountain that they use in the title screen of Friends. And then the dress that Allison wears, that's the same dress, her Halloween dress, that's the same dress that gets worn in Pirates by Elizabeth. There's like other, I'm trying to think of some of the (laughs) other ones, but there are so many other just like teeny tiny little tidbits that get filled in that you're just like, this is a trivia movie at this point. Like, (laughs) What? <laughs> yeah, we've we've seen how much this movie means to other people just by how many times we've seen people cosplay as this mm-hmm. at other conventions. In cosplay competitions, people are dressing up as the Sanderson sisters and doing the number from the party. That was beautiful. That was like three years ago at Dragon Con at the Masquerade. I think it was 2019. The girls came as the Sanderson sisters. They performed the whole I put a spell on you and literally verbatim made the same moves that were at least shown and kind of filled in the blanks. Um, But they had, you know, Mary and Sarah in the background being the backup singers and Winifred was doing her dancing and they did the whole number and was just like, I don't even know what to say. Like, it was so well done. I love it. The attention to detail is really 
something to be noted. The group that's doing the Sanderson sisters right now on TikTok, mm-hmm. the, the girl that has Winifred down pat. Yeah. <laughs> like some of them get so far that they like, they can do her laugh. They can do her scream. Like you just kind of go, is that actually Winifred? <laughs> or is what? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I like the dynamic that's formed with, Anyone who does a Winifred, Mary, and Sarah trifecta. Right. (laughs) I think it takes some special people, and I say that in the nicest way, (laughs) to really embody the characters. Because you've got a lot of people who are like, oh, I've always wanted to do a Winifred. I think Winifred would be fun. Obviously, she's the leader of the group. She's got a lot of zingers. But I don't have a Mary and a Sarah. So for me to do it would just be just Winifred. Right. Which doesn't have the same effect as if you have all three. And then if you have all three and Billy, that's even more so. And then, (laughs) you know, and it just keeps the bigger the ensemble you have, the greater presence that you can bring. And I think it's easier to stay in character, too, when you do that. And you're like, I've got other people. When we went to um, the uh, aquarium, yes, the Sanderson sisters, Ran into me and they stole my lightsabers. What a weird, <laughs> weird statement. Um, but it happened. It's true. <laughs> that was that was like the best moment for me because I was like, one, I love the Sanderson sisters. You can have my lightsaber. It's fine. But I will need that back. <laughs> I think that was the same group that, that did. performed. Yeah, that <gasps> performed. Yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of Sanderson sisters at Dragon Con this year, clearly because of the new movie coming out, obviously. Right. Um. I'm a little sad that it's coming straight to Disney Plus because I feel like Disney's doing this a lot straight to streaming with some really good movies. Yeah, I feel like this might be one of their things that is a Disney Plus push um, Mm. that they want more subscribers. So they're doing things more that are exclusive to Disney Plus. It's also a budgetary thing, I think, that it costs to distribute that's true. Films to theaters. That's true. I don't know if they have any sort of personal vendetta against theaters, <laughs> but uh, I imagine it saves them money by not distributing. That makes sense. So that they just have these servers that they can just put money into and have a streaming service that just is... Just basically flip a switch and turn it on yeah, and going, there you go. <laughs> going a far more digital route than right. I'm sure a lot of people would like that prefer the more traditional go to the theater see the movie enjoy the experience sort of thing i miss getting that experience yeah like the other night we watched pinocchio Mm -hmm. i was sad that we couldn't see that in theaters in theaters that would have i think that would have been amazing yeah i think that would have been would have been really really good and there's a lot that disney's been doing like that i get the disney plus shows cool tv shows clearly that's fine but they've got so many Disney movies now that are coming to streaming. It does. It misses out on that opportunity to enjoy it. So, yeah, there is definitely that, like, full encapsulated feeling of being in the movie that you kind of miss when you stream at home. Not that it's bad. It's just different. But at the same time, movies are expensive. Yeah. Movie theaters are expensive. Yeah. So I get it. And like you said, it, it probably does save them money and it probably helps. I feel like when they do a movie that they feel may do okay. Yeah. Like if people aren't itching to go see it in theaters, that's when they release it on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, that makes sense. It's kind of the new straight to TV thing. Mm-hmm. Just because they don't have a lot of hope in it making back its budget with mm-hmm. the box office. So why don't they mitigate some of that cost by not sending it out there? Just... And they can make their budget easier and then some, hopefully, right. by streaming. And if it does happen to have some sort of surprise success, then they can choose to release it later on. It's kind of a reverse release sort yeah, of thing. like a soft release, kind of? Yeah, just to see how it does across a larger market. And if people really seem to love it, like, I personally really like Pinocchio. It was like a straight copy of 
the mm-hmm. uh, cartoon, just more fleshed out, yeah. I'd say. I like Tom Hanks's take on Geppetto, but it definitely had his Tom Hanks moments, which were it funny. Did. That actually made it even better. We had that. <laughs> it was solely Tom Hanks. That was not Geppetto, but I get it. <laughs> yeah. It was a very decent movie. I feel like Pinocchio is Disney's thesis statement mm-hmm. as far as what they believe. Mm-hmm. But that also brings us to why Hocus Pocus 2 might be being released only on Disney Plus. Right. Is because they don't believe in it quite as much. I mean, people have said, why are we making a second one? I was one of those people. <laughs> I will admit, when I heard, I was like, why? The story was done. Yeah. It was yeah. good. Yeah, they, they got blown up at the end. I mean, I know the book wakes up at the very end of it, which is kind of just kind of a teaser cliffhanger thing just kind of like a eh? the book is still alive so uh. maybe but you brought up a good point so even though sarah and mary dusted in the sun when the sun rose yeah because the time was up winifred first died on hollow ground right she turned to stone first so did that change the contract of the spell because she didn't she did blow up eventually yeah. with the, the sunrise, but she died first in stone. So yeah, I, don't, I don't know. did that change? If, I think if she had stayed just stone, she probably mm-hmm. could have been brought back some other way, maybe. But I think her blowing up as well was supposed to signify she went... As right, well. her time was up as well. And the whole book thing was just kind of one of those fake to be continued things that wasn't really going to happen. Or maybe it was. And it just got kind of pushed down the line for right. years and years and years. Because... That happened with Disney a lot around that time, too. There was yeah. a lot of good movies in the 90s that could have had sequels at that time and then never did. Yeah. And, and for years, I remember this was years ago, people were like, Hocus Pocus 2, they're going to come back together. Everyone's on board. Yeah. And I'm like, this was like 10 years ago and nothing happened. I'm like, clearly a Hocus Pocus 2 is never happening, which is fine. <laughs> if it's anything like the book, the book was good enough to be published at least. So if it follows that at least a little bit, then it should be all right. Right. The book seems to be a love letter to the original movie, so it seems like it'll do justice mm-hmm. as long as they followed the book enough. Right. <laughs> well, and I'm sure they made some modifications because obviously, obviously the book was written years ago. So there's going to be some modifications to the story to fit modern times because I assume because Hocus Pocus came out in 93 and it was set in 93, it's going to be very similar to current times it'll come out in 22 so their present time will be 2022 i'm assuming um so i'm curious to see what they adjust from that i mean they already show the posters you see everybody you've seen all the little i've seen all these little clips everywhere oh yeah um so you kind of know that they're on the up and up i guess (laughs) (laughs) is the best way to put it i don't know so i'm i'm excited though it seems funny like i feel like the sandersons still have the same energy together i guess that's what i'm most excited about is to have the sanderson energy between themselves i mean the the chemistry is still there the fact that they've aged i don't think has changed the fact that they're still bet midler kathy mm-hmm. najimi and sarah jessica parker right they're still those three I believe those three can still embody those characters mm-hmm. pretty easily I believe Doug Jones can still embody Billy Butcherson. Yeah, I don't doubt that at all. (laughs) Those four are the main ones that we have to focus on for bringing it back. I feel bad that Binks wouldn't make sense in this. Uh, I'd be surprised, pleasantly surprised, if he did make an appearance. The fact that the guy that played Thackeray Binks in the flashbacks and as the spirit at the... or not flashback, but just the opening mm-hmm. and the ghost figure at the ending, that it's all dubbed over mm-hmm. to be the voice that's from the cat, not from the actual actor. 
Right. <laughs> yeah, that's the same guy who does Max from the Goofy movies. Oh, that's who that plays Max. Beaks. You say Max, and there's a Max in Hocus Pocus, so I'm like, oh, that yeah, makes, no, sorry. <laughs> that makes no sense. What was yeah, Jason Marston? Oh yeah, Jason Marston was the voice of Thackeray Binks or Binks. He's the friend on. He's Eric's friend. Eric's friend on, on Boy Meets World. Yeah. yeah, for a bit. Yeah. Yeah. So he's the voice of Binks, and so he dubbed over everything that the poor actor of Thackeray, Sean Murray. Yeah, what he said. <laughs> I didn't know that at first. I honestly thought that was his voice when they said, oh yeah, Jason Marsden's was Binks. And I was like, but Binks was Thackeray. That's not Jason Marsden. Right. And I'm like, oh no, he dubbed over him. And I was like, <laughs> he got Darth Vadered? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> more more Darth Mauled, but... Uh, well... Because you can see Darth Maul's mouth. Now that I know that it, it almost bugs me a little bit, because I'm like, I'm looking... For the slight off of the audio where his mouth doesn't match up. Apparently that's a common thing. Yeah. More common than I thought. (laughs) I mean, if the character is supposed to be pretty menacing and the person in the suit doesn't have a menacing voice. Yeah. I mean, we've heard Doug Jones's voice. He doesn't have a menacing voice. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't think that I would have believed Jason Marsden as much as Thackeray. I don't know what the guy sounds like, so... Well, no, but I mean, like, if Jason Marsden did the acting oh, as Thackeray, yeah. like, I don't know that that would be as believable to me. Yeah, Sean Murray definitely looks more colonial, I'd say, <laughs> yeah. than Jason Marsden's Especially look. in 93, because obviously he was doing Boy Meets World and stuff at that time, too, so... Probably why he didn't do those scenes. Probably. Uh, also, the running around and physicality of it probably didn't allow for Not really for it. his strong suit either, especially running barefoot in the woods. Even though <laughs> Boy Meets World and Hocus Pocus were both Disney, Disney. properties, mm-hmm. yeah, they probably were, were like, he's busy doing this, he can do voiceover work very easily. Plus, he's also, at the time, I don't know if he was really being used on Boy Meets World. He, he only showed up in the first couple of seasons. Yeah, I think he shows up in the later seasons. We haven't gotten that far yet. But I think he does show up in the later, later seasons. But, yeah, I mean, it was probably one of those where they're like, but we really like his voice. And he'd make a really good Binks. But Thackeray's voice and Binks's voice should probably sound the same. <laughs> <laughs> it is one of those weird choices. Where uh, Sean Murray just doesn't sound at all like Jason Marsden. Right. So he couldn't even make his voice sound similar to him. I don't know if maybe his voice is higher or it was too low. Because, you know, Disney, when they want someone to look or be a certain way, like if girls mature a little too soon, they're like, oh, you don't look like a middle schooler anymore. Even if they are actually a middle schooler. Right. It's like, it doesn't matter. So... <laughs> They're very particular about how they want things to look and to sound. So they're like, "Mm, your voice is either too high or too low. It's not really going to play into this well. But we know someone who does. So you do this, we'll dub it over. It's fine. I am impressed, though, that they were able to match it up. because You really can't see the difference. Like I said, if I didn't know that behind the scenes kind of thing, I don't know that I would have noticed ever. Yeah, I don't think so either. Uh, They actually did a really decent job. Plus, he doesn't say a whole lot, thankfully. So you don't really get to see it happen. But even Jason Marsden did like the grunting and the panting and and all that stuff too. So it felt very believable, not over the top kind of. Yeah, I bet he probably was just watching the dailies as they go. Right. And was just like, uh, 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 ah. Yeah, he's like, uh, oh, I'm hitting things. Ah. (laughs) Either that or he went running through the woods himself barefoot and just used those sounds. Right. Still, gotta give him kudos, because, man, that... You know there's sticks and stuff that he had to have stepped on. Yeah, that... I mean, it didn't look like he was wearing, like, the... The pat... Yeah, there was nothing on his feet, as far as I could tell. Oof. And I'm just like, ugh, kudos to you, kid. Yeah, I still feel like the opening, what, 10, 15 minutes of that is probably some of the best Mm performance-wise for Winnie... Sarah and Mary, during that whole scene, are in their perfect element, doing their thing, just because Winnie's doing her stuff, Mary's helping her, and Sarah's dancing in the back idiotically. Right. I think my favorite (laughs) is when the Puritans come knocking on the door, 
And they're like, don't, we're not doing anything. We're just little um, spinster. Lady, spinster ladies. And then here's Having Sarah. Having a quiet evening at home. Sucking the lives out of children. <laughs> and Winnie just reaches out and, and chokes, chokes her. her. <laughs> it's things like that that I love because you know that if you were a trio and you had that third person that did that, you'd just be like, I'm going to kill you. Off. Yeah, their, their whole reaction to present day and... Well, the things that they notice and then the things that they totally just kind of gloss over are pretty wide. Like when they first get there, first she thinks that she left the cauldron fire on, even though it's been 300 years, even though they don't know that yet. They don't know that yet, but yes. But also the fact that Winnie goes right up to her book and it's encased in glass and she doesn't even... Doesn't phase her. Yeah, it doesn't mention... She just taps the glass like... Why would it be under glass? She didn't leave it under glass. But it's just those little things that are, that are like, they don't address it at all. So it's those things that make you understand why it got a 6 out of 10. Fair. <laughs> Same as, you know, Burning Rain of Death. It would have been but seconds for them to realize it's water. Yeah. Um, yeah the daylight savings time. Their, their <laughs> intelligence level wavers greatly. <laughs> I think they're there for the theatrics, so once they're committed to something, they go all in. As the Sanderson sisters, not as like the actors, but the Sanderson sisters are theatrical. And they wholeheartedly believe everything at the beginning to where they have to act it out. And they're like, wait a minute, that's not right. (laughs) (laughs) So burning rain of death. They're like, oh, yeah, it's, it's definitely that trope of the three stooges. Yeah, the. Larry, Curly, and Mo mm-hmm. thing. Like, Winifred is definitely Mo, Right. Um, Sarah is Curly. Yeah, Sarah is Curly, and Mary is Larry. Makes there, sense. There we go. <laughs> Makes sense. But the, the fact that this trope has carried so long, and it carries across gender and timeline mm-hmm. and genre, just all these different story types, they always still have these three... That you have the leader, you have the semi-smart one, mm-hmm. and you have the dumb one. Yep. Who sometimes has that line or addition to a sentence that is actually smart. When she came out and she said, dead man's toes. Right. It's like, no, she was right. It was dead man's toes. Yeah. But you can't ever believe her. There's generally that thing, Baby's Day Out, those three guys, mm-hmm. the three hyenas from Lion from, King. From Lion King, yeah. That's true. Like, you can look at all these different stories. They have these three characters, and they fill those three roles, and they're absolutely perfect. And I feel like Winnie, Sarah, and Mary are probably in the top three of best best. representations Mm -hmm. of that role. I, I would agree. I think they do a very good job, especially because not only do they take on the Three Stooges role, but they do it as witches, so it's incorporating the witchcraft element into those three roles and they blend them so well. It's not like, Hey, we're witches one moment. And then we're three stooges the next. Right. It's literally they're moving together simultaneously mm-hmm. as the two, which is, which is really great. They, they do that so well. Like why would they just walk into a kiln and then come out knowing how to speak French? <laughs> yeah. And why are they chasing a voice? They've never heard. They pick up on things very quickly but they follow them a bit too long. Yeah, true. <laughs> so, so they follow the, they're, they're very much like cats, where they follow a laser pointer <laughs> in a direction that you send it. Yeah. And they'll just follow it until they run into the wall. It's like the Wiley e. Coyote versus the Roadrunner sort mm, of thing. True. Uh, they just get fixated on something so quickly that they just follow it before they even know. What they're following, yeah. I mean, I feel like they're the cats that would follow a laser pointer up a wall and climb up the wall. And then when they look down, they go, oh, and fall. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, this was wrong. (laughs) And then immediately. But I think, to me, I think Hocus Pocus has some of the best quotable lines of any movie. Oh, absolutely. I feel like, I know we've seen the movie a lot, so I could probably rehearse the whole thing from memory. (laughs) But... Even still, there are so many lines of the Sanderson sisters from the beginning, the middle, the end that are just easily quotable and usable in everyday life. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we have the 
one on the doormat. That's the oh, oh look, look. A glorious morning. <laughs> Makes me sick. Um, but I, yeah, the, there's so much. Mostly that Winnie says. Um, yeah, but it's, true. <laughs> it's also Sarah and Mary as well. Not many of the others, but they all have their parts. Right. I know there's a lot of quotable moments, mm-hmm. and they're all very fun. <laughs> I just, I, I mean, obviously, I love Winifred, like her, you know, we're doomed. Oh, Feel yeah. the icy prickle yeah, the, on my neck. <laughs> the theatricality of their dialogue is very funny. <laughs> it definitely puts this uh, handedly in the comedy section of mm-hmm. the the less scary side of Halloween. Right. Which I feel like Halloween has two very distinctive sides, which coming next week... We'll discuss one of those two sides. We're going to start... Before the sun gets too far down, <laughs> we're going to talk about the time when the kids are still up and they're trick-or-treating and they're having fun and they're all hyped up on sugar and watching the family-friendly part of Halloween, the right. not-so-scary Halloween party part of Disney. Right, and and I think a part of a lot of... Uh, I think everyone has a bit of a soft Halloween, I guess is what we'll call it, like a, a softer side to Halloween. Yeah. Just so that kids of all ages can enjoy it and sometimes i mean don't get me wrong i enjoy the soft side of halloween too so (laughs) the fun dressing up side the lighter movies that are like you said more comical or just entertaining and not so spooky because i think at the time when hocus pocus came out it was considered scary oh because i I mean mean, back then everything was very vanilla yeah and, and we have we have of course been very jaded by everything Fair. <laughs> but yeah, we'll talk about the uh, the not-so-scary stuff on Halloween. Yeah, all the cartoon stuff, mm-hmm. all the all the family-friendly, like the happy little jack-o'-lanterns and the cartoon skeletons and... PG Halloween. Yeah, yeah, all that stuff. <laughs> we'll take care of that next week. The week after that, we'll get a little bit darker. We'll talk about the slashers and so what you're saying is next week is the marvel halloween and then we're going full dc halloween i mean (laughs) it's kind of like the part of uh simpsons treehouse of horror that goes from like the family friendly oh ha 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 to the part oh everyone's getting killed part yeah that's that's the progression we're gonna take i like that yeah so tune in over the next couple of weeks for the not-so-scary part, and then the run-everyone's-getting-killed part. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna start happy first, though. That'll be next week. <laughs> yeah. But we are... Geeky, Geeky Dinks. Dinks.